How's everybody doing? There we are. I, I love, uh, I say, I, I love that as we were singing, we were talking about, you know, I think in the line in the song was about, you know, God, we're so glad that you're here. And as we declared that, I heard all the boom, 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 boom above our heads, and I saw the screen shaking from the kids. And, um, and I, I just love that I get to hear the kids having a fun time and celebrating and worshiping along with us in their own room. It's, uh, it's very special to me, you know, being, having been a children's pastor for, for 13 years, I love getting to know that our kids are having just an absolutely wonderful time upstairs. Now, um, as we get ready today, uh, would you turn your Bibles to Hebrews 10? And uh, we're going we're to start a new uh, series today. And um, before we dive into that, uh, let's pray and get ready to go. God, I thank you so much for today. Um, I thank you that, that we get to gather, we get to celebrate, and God, we get to um, encourage and love one another uh, because of who you are and what you've done in us. I pray that today, God, you, you touch every heart, you sit at every chair, and, um, and God, just we have an incredible time learning more about you and growing in you. We thank you, we love you, and everybody said... Amen. I'd also um, like to say hello and a welcome to our online crowd. And if you're watching us online today, again, welcome. And uh, we would love for you to interact with people. I know you're very rarely given the opportunity to talk during church. And it's often frowned upon, but online is great. You can type away. There's people there that would love to interact with you. And if you need prayer, there's a button you can click that says, I need prayer. And you'll be connected privately with someone who can pray for you. So I want to encourage you, uh, again, to, to connect with people as much as you can online. And we'd love to say hi and get to know you a little bit. Now, the week after Easter, uh, I began to unpack kind of my vision for, for this church and where I wanted to go and what I really envisioned and, and thought, this is where God is going to take us as Celebration Center. And I, I had a lot of fun doing it. And I used three words that I personally thought were unique to this place, only to, to be found out that um, the founding pastor, Chris Hansler, used these words. So he stole my thunder long before I even ever came. But um, I use the words gather, grow, and go. And I like to attribute, you know, the, the fact that we're using the great words, these words to great minds, right? Great minds think alike. But gather, grow, and go. These were three words that I really felt that, that we could capitalize on, how we gather together, how we grow together, and how we go out into our community. I spent the morning um, really unpacking the week after Easter, what these three words mean for us and how we can accomplish these things. And then also last week, I really spent time on the go. I really talked about our mission and how we all have a part to play in the mission. We unpacked Matthew 28, 19, where it says, go and make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them, and how we all have a mission. And I hope that uh, last week after we talked, um, you were able to kind of process through and figure out what is your mission field. That was really a big point of it. We talked about how some people go overseas, some people can walk in their front door, and that their home is their mission field. Some people walk out their front door and their neighbors, that is their mission field. Zyger Elementary, your community, we all have a different mission field. And I hope that last week you were able to kind of unpack that a little bit for you personally and find out what is your mission field. Now, today, I want to really talk about, for the next few weeks, the, the importance of gathering, why we gather. So whether you're, you're here in person or online, I just want to say um, thank you. You're headed in the right direction. You already started the gather part of what we talk about, right? But I believe that gathering corporately, gathering together and coming together as a church body is super vital and important for every single one of us. Um, gathering here, engaging online, um, asking for prayer, whether it's here or online, I think all of these have a big part to play, and they're very important in our gathering and growing together. So being a part of community, I think, is so important that I'm, I'm going to be issuing some challenges as we go through this together. 
Um, I'm going to be giving you some, some action steps and some, some questions to ponder on why I think it's important. And I think uh, what we can see, what the Bible says about why it's important that we gather together. Now, now hear me. This is not an introvert versus extrovert talk. This is not going to be a one or it's going to be a both and. I know that um, extroverts like myself, I get really filled when I'm around people. I, I come here, I go somewhere else, I go to someone's house, people come over to, to my house. Um, I, when I was a children's pastor, I would do a thing where we would have between two and 300 kids come on campus, and I would get home at 10 p.m. filled, like bouncing off the walls, and my wife would not, because <laughs> I know that there's, there are introverts. I know the introverts get, get drained. Not that they don't like being around people, but, but being around people, doing that really does drain, and you need that alone time to refill. So what I'm going to talk about today is not introvert versus extrovert. Um, I will say if you're an introvert, I don't understand you. I don't get it. I don't think I'll ever get it, but this series is for you. Introverts and extroverts can unite on why we gather together because I believe that we are meant to gather for very, very specific reasons. I think that by the very design of God, we are meant to be together in community. So after we gather, or after you gather, if you're an introvert, you can go alone, or go home, be alone, recharge, and then get ready to do it again, because I do think it's important. Now, like I said, my wife is more of an introvert than me, so, so I, I, I do kind of get it, um, but at the same time, when, she's, when we do something, she's like, I'm tired, I want to go to bed. I'm just like, what? I, I, I'm just so filled. And um, I know that she gets, we drive her a little crazy, because there's me. My daughter, Aurora, who's nine, who's also crazy extroverted. My daughter, Avery, who just turned five, who is beyond extroverted. And my dog, who's not even one, who is an extrovert. I mean, people come in the house, and she just bounces, goes nuts. And then there's my wife, who's like, just leave me alone. But having said that, gathering is important. Gathering is crazy important for all of us. So as I begin, I want to ask you all a question. What do you know about solitary confinement? Solitary confinement. Yeah, you heard me right. I know some moms are like, bring it, solitary confinement, let's go. But solitary confinement. Now, it's interesting that, that solitary confinement is also referred to as administrative segregation. Administrative segregation, and it's often used in prisons as a way of discipline or consequence for unruly or dangerous inmates. Now, there was a study uh, done about solitary confinement that was published by the American Psychological Association, and this was its report on, on, um, on solitary confinement. It says, deprived of normal human interaction, many segregated prisoners reportedly suffer from mental health problems, including anxiety, panic, insomnia, paranoia, aggression, and depression. It then goes on to say, evidence of these effects comes as no surprise. It borders on common sense, but it's common sense with a lot of empirical research that supports it. So much of what we do and who we are is rooted in a social context. So much of what we do and who we are is rooted in a social context. It's funny, you don't need empirical research and crazy studies to understand the adverse effects of being alone, right, are severe enough. These effects are so severe that that's literally used as a punishment for criminals to say you get to now communicate with nobody. You get to sit by yourself. Just think about that for a moment. Solitary confinement, this is used to discipline criminals. And growing up in a family of 15 kids, can you imagine how hard it was to enforce solitary confinement when you did something wrong? Now, 
I know that if we did something wrong, one of, the, one of the more common forms of discipline was go to your room, sit on your bed, and it was away from everybody else. Now, for an extrovert like me, that was murder. To be told, there are all these kids, and you now have to go be by yourself. Luckily, it never happened to me because I'm perfect. My parents are here today. They can attest to that. But the disciplinary action, this is the common disciplinary action, right? Not just for homes. This is for schools as well. When someone is misbehaving or someone is getting crazy unruly, what do we do? We isolate. We pull away. We separate. Because we know for a lot of people, and even for introverts sometimes, that is telling people you can't be around these people now, that is, it's torture. <laughs> it is really something that messes with people. With that in mind, that begs the question, why are there so many people why are there so many people that would say, I'm going to live a life now of isolation? I'm going to choose to be cut off from others. It, it makes me wonder, what are we missing? Uh, if so much of what we do is rooted in that social context, and so much is, is, is who we are is, is gathering together socially, what then happens if we choose to remove ourselves from that social gathering? Especially from the most important gatherings that I think are so important to all of us. When we get to come together like here on a Sunday and celebrate and gather and rejoice and have fun. There, there are some people that, that say, I don't really need that. But I would argue that that's wrong. I mean, take a look at what happened when we literally, not just metaphorically, we literally got shut down because of COVID. When we literally got shut down, and not just church, but when the world, when the United States shut down because of COVID, what happened to people? Depression cases skyrocketed. Suicide skyrocketed. It's depression of suicide, especially amongst young teens, skyrocketed. Suicide rates climbed. Being cut off from community, being cut off from the very people that God called us to be with, did, did real mental and physical damage to people. And, and that's what happens when, when we decide the social gathering that, that God invited us to be a part of, when, when we're cut off from that, whether it's forcefully or, or willingly, bad things can happen. If we choose not to gather, mental damage takes place, physical damage, emotional damage, and there's spiritual benefits that we can miss out on. We can miss out on such amazing things of being together. And I, I would argue that it is more important than you think. It is more important than you think getting together and being together. Now, now hear my heart. I'm not saying that if you take a vacation and miss a Sunday, oh my gosh, you are killing yourself. That, that is not what I'm saying. I love vacation. I love going away places. Or if, um, if there's uh, what I experienced, what, uh, what was told to me last week when, when we experienced our first sunny Sunday here in Washington, uh, I was wondering, I was like, wow, there's not a lot of people here today. And then I heard people are at the park, people at the mountain, people are doing this, people are gathering together in other places. And I thought that was really, really cool. So, so don't, don't hear me and say, oh man, he's saying I can never miss a Sunday. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the willingness to say this is important. To say, this is, this is something that I think is so important, so vital, that I see how it benefits me personally and spiritually in my connection with each other and with God when we gather together. I think it's essential as Christ followers and human beings to consistently gather regularly. Now, over the next number of weeks, I'm going to address some of these questions. But um, even more than that, I'm going to really address why I think, important, more importantly, it is biblical that we gather and that this is an important thing that we do and the, the power behind it. Now, encouragement is one of those things that, that we all need from time, right? I think it's important that we gather together to encourage one another. And um, may, maybe you, you're like me, where when someone encourages you, when someone says something positive to me and, and reinforces something I'm doing, man, it just fills me up like no other. I love uh, the book, The Five Love Languages, calls it words of affirmation. 
It, it fills me up. For some people, it's not. You can say something good, but they're like, don't tell me, show me. You know, show me something said. For me, it's the words. I love the words. And when I come somewhere and someone encourages me, it is the greatest thing. Encouragement is one of those things that I do think, even if it's not something you, you crave, it, I think it is something that everyone needs from time to time. I think we've all gone through times where we're down in the dumps, where we hit the hard times, and we need someone to just give us a boost. And Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this about encouraging one another. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, as you may have noticed from that passage, it says the way we encourage one another and spur each other on toward love and good deeds is by doing what? Gathering together. Gather together and spur each other on toward love and good deeds. Now, have you ever tried to just, just encourage and self-motivate yourself? Some people are good at this. Some people are not good at this. But I mean, how difficult is it? Seriously, when, when you're, you're alone and you're, you're feeling hurt or depressed or just sad, or you need a little boost to do it by yourself. It's hard, right? Not all of us can stand in front of the mirror and give ourselves a prep talk. I don't know if any of you have ever done that before, stood in front of the mirror and gave yourselves a good pep talk, but that for him, that was the key, right? He needed the motivation and encouragement. Some people call this uh, self-encouragement or positive thinking, and, and there is a very real place for that. If you don't have access to others, I'm not saying don't ever do that. Just make sure there's no one hiding in the room watching you as you do that, because that could be embarrassing, right? But I think there's something deeply transforming and deeply powerful about being a part of a group whose purpose is committed to encouraging and spurring you on towards love and good deeds, towards a common goal. Just think about your favorite team or, your, or um, a recovery group you may be a part of or a fundraiser or, or a camp you were a part of where people came together and they really encouraged you and you went out and you felt like you could change the world because the people around you were feeding such good things into you. And not just, not just stuff to make you feel good, but genuine encouragement that motivated you to go out and make a change. Now, over the course of my years in ministry, I, I've met with and counseled many people through different things. And um, there are some people that have come to me, and they've battled through some very serious addictions. And as I meet with them, you know, sometimes I tell them, I say, you know, seriously, what you're going through, I'd love to talk with you and meet with you and pray with you, but, but you're above my pay grade. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's groups that, that I know that would benefit you in a great way to be a part of. And some groups like Celebrate Recovery or, or AA meetings, I've recommended people too and said these are designed specifically to help and encourage you through. Because I know that when there's, there's people with a common goal, when they gather together, when they share their hardships, they get their sponsors, they, and in turn, they encourage one another, it really helps them go forward and not fall backward. <clears throat> well, I mean, when someone is in one of these groups, and they're having, let's, let's use addiction for an example. When someone has an addiction, and they're feeling a craving, or they're, they're about to collapse, what's one of the worst things they could do? Isolate. One of the worst things they can do is isolate because when they don't have those people telling them this is how you can get through it, bad habits can kick in. Now, in our life, when we come to a church, I think we can understand that when we come here to gather, we can encourage each other because we know we are not perfect people. We are not coming to the perfect place to hear, to, a, to listen to a perfect pastor, to feel good, and then go home to our perfect households. That's just not really how it is, right? No, we get to come here on Sundays. We get to come as a broken and hurting people. We get to come as people who scripture says have fallen short, have all sinned, have missed the mark, but we get to come together and we get to work with each other. We get to encourage one another and we get to come through our brokenness, through our issues, our trials, our struggles, our problems, and we get to spur each other on. And I think that's an amazing thing. 
Now, I hope you, you caught this on about me earlier, um, but, but I have problems. I have my struggles. I, I have the things that I deal with, and I need people to encourage me. Um, I, as, I, as I shared, you know, when words encourage me, and getting a note in the mail, getting a random text or phone call, I could be having the worst day in the world, and I'll get a text that just says, hey, thought about this, thought about you, love you, or just something that encourages me, and it makes everything else feel like nothing. It is the best thing. And that's, that's another reason that I love coming to this church. I love that we're called Celebration Center because we get to come, and what do we get to do? We get to celebrate. We get to build. We get to encourage. I love my small group. I love sharing life with people. I love getting encouraged, doing the encouraging, and like this verse in Hebrew says, spur one another on. Now, Sometimes we can get hung up on that phrase, spur one another on. So what does it exactly mean when you're going to spur someone on toward love and good deeds? Now, first of all, let, let's look at the word spur. The only other time you see this word is when it's broken down in, ancient tran- in um, original translation in the New Testament in Acts 15.39. It says, Paul and Barnabas have such a sharp disagreement, and that's the phrase, such a sharp disagreement that they separate from each other in their missions work. Now, Strong's Concordance defines this word um, the original translation, it says incitement or dispute, contention, or to spur. The point here being that spurring was a very action-oriented word. It was something that led them to do something. In this context, in Hebrews, we want to spur each other, give words and actions that will lead people forward to do love and good deeds. It's not a passive action. This is something very intentional, something with a goal set in mind, very passionate and purposeful. If you've ever seen a cowboy... You know, riding a horse. Now, I grew up, my dad loved to watch westerns. I think all 10,000 John Wayne westerns had played through our house at one point. But we lo- he loved to watch westerns. And you see a horse riding those, ca- uh, the, uh, the cowboy riding the horse, and what do they have on their, their boot heels? They have those spurs, right? And the spurs they would use to give that, the horse that command to go faster, and they wouldn't use the spurs when they wanted it to slow down. It was the opposite effect. But there's an action and a reaction, right? There's one spurring and the other moving. Without the spurring, the other does not move. I think we can all agree that there's times in our life where we need a little extra spurring. We need a little bit more to get moving. We need, we need that, that kick to get going. And I know that I've had those moments personally where I've, I've needed someone to give me a little like, hey, let's go, let's move it, and, and encourage me along the way. And maybe you start to feel stagnant a little bit, and someone is there working with you or right behind you or beside you, uh, pushing you on and pushing you forward, and that's an amazing thing. Maybe if you start to feel stagnant or you start to go slow down or you start to feel comfortable, maybe in your uh, devotional time or in your quiet time, But when you set aside time to gather, that's when you get someone alongside that doesn't let you relax in those times, that really pushes you forward. And when they push you forward, you start to see all the good things that come with it, all the good encouragement, all the good spiritual blessings that come with giving more time to God. Now, hopefully your friends are not really coming at you with a sharp metal object like a ninja star and spurring you in the behind. That would be abuse. Don't take it. But... Hopefully you do have people coming in your life that God is putting in your life a community that does help push you forward. Um, I think that God puts groups in our lives. God puts specific people in our lives that can point out areas where maybe we are getting a little relaxed and ways that we can encourage each other and push each other forward. Maybe if you feel a lightening of your convictions at times, you'll have that friend that says, no, this is why we've got to move forward on this. And that's someone that can spur you on as well. 
Now, I think as Christ followers, we need to make sure we're always moving towards that Christ-centered love, and so that all of all the good works and things we do all point back to him. It's never for our glory, it's for God's glory. I almost didn't even want to talk after Jeff's prayer because he said a lot of what I'm saying right now. It's pretty ridiculous. But I also think that in those moments, we need help to avoid a stagnant life. A stagnant life isolated from community. It can be far too easy and far too complacent and convenient, and we can get disillusioned by removing ourselves from that community that's going to push us forward, especially with the convenience and chaos of a 21st century life, right? Especially one that has been spinning and going crazy and causing us to reevaluate things because of COVID. It's too easy to get discouraged and too dangerous to do this journey alone. It really, really is. And when we're alone, statistics show, like we saw earlier, isolation, people in hard times often give up. When you're alone, it's so much easier to throw in the towel. Why do you think a boxer has his coach in the corner at the end of a round? A boxer can be getting pummeled, and that coach can say everything they need to do to get back out there and keep on going. We need those people in our corners that are going to be able to motivate and push us forward so we don't get complacent and we don't feel beat up to the point where we just want to quit. When we gather, we spur on, and I think we have the ability to tell each other a three, an amazing three-word phrase that can mean the world. Don't give up. Don't give up. Sometimes, like I said, when the, when the world comes crashing down on you, you feel like it is just time to cave in. It's time to give up. But life is a marathon. It's not the 200-meter dash. Life is a marathon. We're going to go through long stretches. where you'll, you'll go through a stretch where everything is rolling. Things are great. And then things start to hit. Maybe business is bad. Relationship is bad. Man, maybe, maybe the pastor said a message you really didn't like. hope that's not the case. But it happens. And you feel like, man, I just feel like throwing in the towel. Being in community, you have those people that can say, don't throw that in. Don't give up. Keep pushing forward. God has more for you than you're seeing right now. Keep going forward. Don't give up. The race is a cycle that can repeat over and over. Don't give up in the cycle. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation let all things be done for building up. Building up, newsflash, is the opposite of giving up. Building up is the opposite of giving up. Building up is the plan to move ahead, right? Building up is the plan to prepare that future, to dive into that future, to keep going forward with it. And giving up is planning to stop. Planning to stop and accept failure. When we come together, like it says here in Corinthians, every one of us brings something different to the table. And I love it. Some people can bring a really good dose of truth. Maybe you may not want to hear that truth, but they'll bring a good dose of truth. But then right there is someone else who's bringing grace. And you find people that bring so much to a, a meeting together. Some people can bring their talents for worship. Some people can bring the, the power of prayer. Some people can bring inspiration. We all have uh, just different things that we bring to the table. But when we bring those things together, an amazing thing happens. When we bring them together for the purpose of encouraging one another, for knowing I'm going to go meet with my friend who's coming today, and I know their life has been hard, your smiling face, what you bring to the table that maybe nobody else brings to the table can change their life because you're doing it to show them the love of God that God has filled in you that you get to pour out. One thing remains constant when we come together. We come to glorify God. We come to glorify God. We come to get to build each other up, to not quit, to not give up in the process. And even, even those who have the strongest faith in God are not immune from the pitfalls of life, right? You could, you could say you could have the strongest faith and the best relationship with God. Life can still throw haymakers at you. 
situation still happens. We, we'll say at home sometimes, life happens. This, this was nothing of your doing. This was nothing of anyone else's doing. This is just life, and it happens. And then there is the opposite. There, there is the time where I believe you can be in such a spiritual high that that's when the enemy will start throwing things at you and say, I want to derail you. I want to throw you off of your game because I don't like where you're going. But when we gather together and we get to encourage one another, that's our way of telling the enemy, I don't care what you throw at me. It doesn't matter what you throw at me because my community, my God, is bigger than anything you ever will be. Bigger than any problem you'll ever throw at me. Bigger than any trial I could ever face. My God has got it. And he's given me the people to help get me through it. And that's why we gather. To you, who, to anyone who would be here today who would say, I'm on that verge. I, I'm in that place where life is hard. I'm in that place where I just don't know how to move forward. Or life is, I, I just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm just going through day after day of the same problems and same this. And it's finances and it's work and it's family. If you're there, I would say to you today, don't give up. You're not alone. You're not alone. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being online today. We've got a community here that is phenomenal that can help push you forward and point you to Christ. King David knew a thing or two about adversity. He reminds us in Psalm 30, verse 5, he says, Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. One of the reasons we gather is to encourage, keep pressing on, because what someone may look at as their night, what they may be going through right there saying, man, this is the worst. This is, this is I'm grieving now. This is my night. We get to say, hey, welcome to the morning. Welcome here, and this is what we get to point you to. We get to encourage you in Jesus because we are going towards the morning where we all get to celebrate. Our passage from Hebrews says that there are some who have actually made it a habit of not meeting together. Now, I know that many of us understand what goes into a habit, right? We all have bad habits. I still bite my nails. It is the worst habit. My wife is always whacking my hands, and my daughter tells me she's going to dip my fingers in mayonnaise. It's, it's, it's terrible. That's, just, that's the worst. But we all are aware of how long it takes to make a habit, how long it takes to break a habit. But let's take it a step further today. The word here, the habit translated here, is actually the word ethos in the original language, which also means custom or right. Some have made it their custom. Some have made it their right. And it's awful lot like our English word for ethos, which is not a coincidence. The English definition of ethos says this, the distinguishing character, sentiment, moral nature, or guiding principle of a person group or institution. So what Hebrews is saying here is that some people have actually made it their custom. This is their right to not gather, to neglect gathering. This is what they want to do, they choose to do it, and it is their right to not do it. And I think that as Christ followers, one of our defining characteristics, something that makes us unique is that we do choose to gather regularly. We choose to gather and meet, and we acknowledge that we're not meeting for our benefit, we're meeting, we're meeting solely for the benefit of growing the kingdom growing God in our hearts, and through that, we get to grow. God built us for community, and when we gather, we get to understand that we were never designed from the beginning to be alone. I love that. We gather because we were never designed from the very beginning to be alone. Introvert and extrovert. Introvert, you were never designed to always be alone, to neglect meeting. Extroverts, I know you don't want to do it anyways. You want to get together, but you were designed for community, to not be alone. All the way back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, we're back at the beginning of, of Scripture and, and creation here. The Lord God says in Genesis 2.18, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I love that God acknowledges right here, I created you and you're alone and that's not good. I'm going to do something else. 
I'm going to create more. God designed us to be in community. There are many reasons we come together, and we're, we're going to explore a lot more of them in this series. But understanding that, that core foundation right there, from the beginning, God didn't tell you to isolate. From the beginning, God didn't say, I created you, you've got this, you're by yourself, you're going to go through hard times, you're on your own. God said, no, I, I see someone. They're alone. I'm bringing somebody else here. He desires for us to be in community. The benefit we receive in fellowship is so deep and it's so great. We gather together because that's who we are. That's who God created us to be. We gather because that's who we are. When adversity comes to our doorstep, adversity comes and wants to get you, we gather to be encouraged to stand up to it. When things don't go your way, gather. Find people to encourage you to press into you. When you're confused, when you're frustrated, when, you, when you're angry and, and you, you have a lot to process, you know what? Gather with people. Help them process, let them help you process your emotions. They can help you through things. And in this setting, especially in a small group, in a large corporate setting, when people have the same goal in mind to point it to Jesus, that's an incredibly thing that can help you process through emotions. And it's what we do. If there's anything I can stress, and I would say this, do it more not less. Gather more, not less. I want to I ask you something. And use your imagination for a minute. You can go ahead and close your eyes. It, it's not weird. It's okay. I said so. Let's say you spent your whole life thinking you were an antelope. Don't laugh. It's a serious moment, okay? You spent your whole life thinking you were an antelope, and then one day you find out you're a lion. Okay, open your eyes. You were an antelope, now you're a lion. Suddenly, if you realize you're not an antelope, you're now a lion, wouldn't you want to go do what lions do? When, when you realize this, this is who you were created, this is what you are, wouldn't you want to go do what the lions do? You, you would, you, it wouldn't be unreasonable to say that you wouldn't want to just you know, gallop through like, like an antelope would. If you realize your true identity, you would then want to start, you would want to, start to live in that identity. You would start to, to look, sound, and smell, and be, be more like that lion and less like that antelope because you know who you are. Now, as you start to put into practice what you were designed to do, I would say when you realize who you are and who God called you to be, don't go back to something you were not created to be. Go forward into who God has called you to be, the purpose God has for your life, the community he's called you to be a part of. Gather and be who God has created you to be. Become that natural good part of the creation you are. And then wouldn't it be weird if you saw that same lion start to pretend to be an antelope? It would just look weird. Um, a cartoon that my girls love is uh, Lambert the Sheepish Lion. An old, old cartoon about this lion who grows up with sheep, and he thinks he's a sheep. It's the funniest cartoon. And the sheep treat him wonderful. There's a song, Lambert the Sheepish Lion. It's a, it's a fun little cartoon. But a wolf attacks the sheep, and the sheep are crying out to Lambert for help. Lambert, at first, is freaked out. He's running away like the sheep until he realizes he's a lion. And then he goes and he saves the sheep, gets rid of the wolf, and then the sheep start praising Lambert. And he still lives with the sheep, but he never gives up his identity as being now the protector and the lion in these, these sheep. Don't forget who God has called you to be. No matter what community you're in, God has called you to do something great, to be something great. And don't forget that you are a child of God who is called to gather and encourage and spur each other on towards love and good deeds. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
I think it's reasonable to think that as a person grows deeper in faith and the understanding of who Jesus is and who his bride is, they would want to spend more time with others who had that same like-mindedness, who had that same belief, that same drive and passion in life to grow in him. And if it's a part of our nature, if it becomes a part of our ethos to gather together, then it makes sense why this passage in Hebrews says, do it all the more as we see the day approaching. I think all of us in this room today would agree that we could all use more encouragement, not less. I think we could all say we want more encouragement, not less. We all want more spurring on towards love and good deeds. We all want to strive for better, not worse. We want to strive to go forward, not back. More of the bride of Christ, more of gathering, not less. I think we need to spend more time acting like lions, acting like that lion God created you to be, not less. And as we uh, get close to wrapping up, I want to share a couple verses with you from Matthew 24. Now, in this chapter, uh, Jesus talks about the end times. I want to specifically look at verses 10 to 13 together. Um, Matthew says this, At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I know that, that every day that passes is another day closer to the return of Christ. Now, scripture says that he's going to come and it's going to be an amazing thing. But it also says that as we get closer to that day, we're going to see an increase in wickedness. We're going to see an increase in the people that hate each other, false prophets, deception. And, and I know that when the world goes down a wrong path, when the world starts to go crazy, it can be easy to start isolating yourself and feel like, oh man, I just need to, to, to be by myself and process through this. It can be easy because of how you feel, your view on what's going on, or uh, the different reactions people are having uh, governmentally, politically, personally. But scripture makes it clear that as we get closer to the coming of Jesus, every day there are things that are going to get worse. That's why I think it's so incredibly important, so incredibly important that we commit to making sure that gathering, this is important. This is special. This is big. This is something where we get to say, you know what, I'm not designed to stand on my own. I'm designed to stand with you all. I'm designed to stand with God who is right here with me as well. We need to spur each other on. We need each other, and we all have different ways that we can do that. I know that our first uh, small group cycle is coming to an end, and um, I've, I've loved my small group, and I've heard lots of different people talk about their small groups and the relations they've made with their small groups. And what's great is even though the, the studies and books are coming to an end, that doesn't mean like those groups are now disbanded, never meeting. If you were never in, you can never join because the group's never meeting again. That's not what happens with small groups. There are a few groups that are going to keep going, and that's really, really cool. They've had such a good time connecting that they're just going to keep on meeting, and that's really, really fun. Some weekly, some monthly, and if, if you haven't plugged in yet, man, I, I'd love for you to, to, to join mine or, or call someone and find out where they're going, but, but join a group. Commit to gathering, not just on Sundays, but gathering throughout the week and finding out how you can be encouraged and spurred on toward good deeds. I know that in the summer, I want to uh, do something a little different with small groups, but then I want to launch them again in the fall. More studies, more groups, more ways for people to connect because I know the power of gathering. And I know how special and important it is to be with each other, to grow in Jesus. And I love it that the more we gather, the more that we do this, the more we live out this verse that says not giving up but spurring each other on, the more we get to go to the world and say, you know what? You don't have a chance. Because of my God and my people, you have no chance to stop me. You have no chance to throw anything at me because I'm with the people that are encouraging me and the God that has got me through it all. I'd like to invite the worship team uh, back up today. 
And uh, in response to this, I have a few questions I'd like you guys to, to ponder and, and think about and as, as we talk about gathering. Um, one, not really questions, but just things to really ponder. I, w- I would like us all commit to gathering and fellowship. Commit, commit to the first word that I talked about a few weeks ago. Gather, grow, go. Commit to the gather. Commit to being a part of fellowship. In person if you can or online if you can. If that's, if that's how you have to do it, do it. Connect online. Gather with people. Remember, being online doesn't mean you just sit there and watch. Being online, you get to connect. You get to say hi. You get to type messages. Be a part of the community. We're going to have a time on Thursday, June 10th, to gather again for worship, prayer, and communion. I would love for everybody to come. Scriptures has some incredible things happen when people pray. I love that we, we see prison walls shake. We see walls tear down. We see, we see health and we see healing. Prayer has an amazing place in life. And I'm so excited that we get to come together. We get to worship. We get to pray. We get to take communion. And I'm so excited for the chance that we have to grow, encourage, and just go through life knowing we are going to pray. And God is going to do an amazing thing on June 10th. I know it. So I want to invite you guys uh, to, to come. Make, the, make it a priority. Come on June 10th gather for our worship and prayer night. We're going to pray for our city, our leaders. We're going to pray for the churches in our community. It's going to be an amazing time of prayer. And I want to take a time closing service today as I pray for you to encourage you before you leave here today, connect with someone. Maybe if you see someone you you don't know, connect with them. Say hi. Maybe it's someone you you do know you haven't seen in a while, or maybe it's your best friend. Whoever it is, connect. Say hi. Set a time to gather together with them outside of church. Just gather and share life. Encourage one another. But don't leave here with the mindset of, I will just see you next Sunday. Leave here with the mindset of, I'm going to see you soon. Because we were meant for so much more than just an hour or so a week. We were meant to gather in amazing ways to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. And man, we're going to see amazing things happen the more we gather, the more we grow, and the more we go because of what God is doing in us. Amen? Would you all stand with me? <coughs> Let's encourage each other today as we, as we leave. And um, I'm excited to see how God is going to grow this place numerically and personally and just in each and every individual here, how God's going to grow in you as we grow together. God, I thank you so much. I, I thank you that, that we get to gather. We get to celebrate. We get to, again, hear the kids above us jumping up and down. God, we get to have an amazing time celebrating who you are and what you've done. And God, I pray that we encourage one another, that this place is a place of hope, that when people walk in those doors, they know I'm going to see someone, I'm going to see you, and I'm going to see a person who can say the, the words to me I need to hear, who can just be a voice to, or uh, ears to listen, a voice to speak, someone who can spur me forward so I can look at the world and say, it's got no chance because here I come. And here we come, God, because you are with us every step of the way. So God, we thank you, we love you, and everybody said, amen.